really, really excited to be here with you all today. Um, well done. Uh, well done for coming out on a Saturday. I think that what you all are doing is one of the most important things that happens in the church. Now, some of you guys may be leaders in other positions, elders or deacons or other, you know, you may have other leadership capacities that you are involved with, but the people that teach, teach Sunday school, I think this is the most, that's the most important position we have in the church. So well done. Well done, you all. And you're doing it. You're teaching, you're impacting, you're influencing, and you're coming out on a Saturday morning. And I'm coming out on a Saturday morning. So, hey, um, let me just pray for us to get started. God, we love you. We love your word. We love to meet together with brothers and sisters in Christ. Help us to hear from you. There's a lot of wisdom in this room, Lord. A lot of decades, decades of teaching experience. Help us to learn from each other. Help us to learn from you. Help us to listen to Scripture. Help us to look and see how Jesus teaches. What we can learn from Jesus as a teacher. Send your Spirit, Lord. Be in our midst. What a privilege it is to study your word, to meet with brothers and sisters in Christ. Be with us today, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Um, yeah, so people, sometimes people don't like the titles of my books. God Behaving Badly? What's up with that? Um, I tell people the full title is a question. Is the God of the Old Testament angry, sexist, and racist? And if I had to put it in a, in a word, I'd say the answer to that question is no. But the reality is a lot of people think that he is. You know, God commands the the slaughter of the Canaanites. God commands a woman who's been raped to marry her rapist. What's up with that? God kills poor, smites poor Uzzah for trying to stabilize the ark. You guys know that story? Like, what's up with that? So I kind of worked through a lot of those difficult, um, sticky texts there in that book, if that's um, an interest to you all. Um, The thing I like to tell people is, you may not think God God behaves badly, but I'm pretty sure you know somebody who thinks that. Somebody at work, maybe a child, uh, a friend somewhere. Um, And then the thing about prostitutes and polygamists, I like to tell people that um, it's it's a little bit more like humans behaving badly. And the thing I see as we look at the issue of sex and sexuality in the Bible is there's just a lot of messed up stuff in the Bible. The Bible doesn't hide that. In fact, it tells some of the, the worst things, the, some of the best people in, in, in all history, some of the worst things that they've done. And it records those stories for us to learn. Uh, and I like to say, when humans behave badly, God behaves graciously. Praise God. Amen. Um, so I, I actually... Um, an editor at Christianity Today had me do a kind of a condensed version of this for Christianity Today Online. Um, I focused on David and uh, Tamar um, and Abraham. But I was really kind of talking about sexual abuse in the Bible. And this, I wrote this for Christianity Today Online. This was uh, a couple of years ago. It was, that article was shared 4,000 times on Facebook, which never happens to anything I've done. It was actually Christianity Today's on, the online, one of the most popular articles of 2015. It's because 
we just don't talk about these issues much. You know, and it's funny. Is the culture talking about sexual abuse much lately? Yeah, maybe. But do, have, do evangelicals have things to say about that? Does the Bible have something to say about that? Actually, I think it does. So um, those are just, anyway, you can, if you have questions, $15 for both, $10 each. This rock was wider than a football field and weighed more than three super aircraft carriers. It was traveling over eight miles a second, headed, ter- headed towards Earth. By the way, this is a true story. Okay, it's not like one of those films you, we've seen about this kind of stuff. Now, people who worry about failed satellites would not be pleased to know that this particular chunk of nickel and iron dwarfs the typical satellite. It was 50,000 times more massive than your normal satellite that we have sort of circling the Earth. Now, much of this rock is going to get burned up as it passes through the atmosphere, but there's going to be plenty left over to do serious damage. All life in its path would be vaporized. The, the rock eventually struck the earth with the impact of a 10-megaton hydrogen bomb, 450 times more powerful than the Nagasaki bomb. Now, fortunately, this was 50,000 years ago. When I was a child, my family was on vacation, and we were driving through uh, Arizona, in the hottest time of the year. And my father didn't like to use air conditioning. I don't know if you had a dad like mine. So um, it was pretty hot. And we got out of the car. We were kind of slightly delayed because our, our, all of our, our, our bare skin was adhered to the vinyl. <laughs> you know, as we're, as we're getting out of the car, right? You guys know. Some of you guys know what this is. V- vinyl was the upholstery, what, 40, 30 years ago, okay? Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. So we walk up this path. Climb over this ridge, look out, and what do we see? This is what we saw. The meteor crater. Have any of you guys been there? Okay, a couple of y'all. Yeah, it's almost a mile across. 600 feet down. And the rim rises up above the plain 150 feet. What caused this? The rock I was talking about just a minute ago. Not Dwayne Johnson, right? Okay. The, different rock. Okay, yeah. It made such a deep impact on me that 35 years later, I drug my family out to the Arizona. And, what's that? With, I did use air conditioning, yes. I'm mean, but not quite that mean, Yes. We were all amazed. It had a powerful impact upon us. It took a while to figure out what was the cause of this, uh, of this meteor. Um, a guy named Daniel Berenger was an engineer. He didn't think, they initially thought it was a volcano. He said he didn't think it was a volcano. He thought it was caused by something from outer space, a large meteorite. Rocks falling from the sky, really? Doesn't that sound a little chicken little-ish? 
What? Apparently, about a century earlier, when he heard that two professors from Yale concluded that a meteorite had landed somewhere in Connecticut, President Thomas Jefferson supposedly said, it was easier to believe that two Yankee professors could lie than to admit that stones would fall from heaven. What's up with that? Sometimes the sky does actually fall. And it took a while, almost 60 years, for Behringer, the guy that thought this was a meteor crater, for his idea to become what people accepted as, as reality. Thousands of tons of rocks, meteorites, meteoroids, dust, and debris collide with the earth each year. But only a few meteorites reach the planet, and only about five or six are actually found. What prevents all this dangerous stuff from hammering in on our heads on a daily basis? What prevents it? The atmosphere. Yes. I was talking to my son, Noah, wants to be an astrophysicist like my father. Okay, so I've got kind of nerd blood here in case you haven't picked that up already. Yeah. Um, But we were talking about this. and It's like, yes, the atmosphere is our friend. Now, if you're lucky enough to walk outside at night and you see a shooting star, you're most likely to, you know, you make a wish. Well, we're Christians. Maybe we'll say a prayer. I don't know. Um, But around August 12th, if you go out on a clear night, hopefully there's no moon, and you look up towards the constellation Perseus, you might get to witness the Perseid meteor shower. It's probably the most famous meteor shower. Shooting stars are beautiful to watch. You go, ooh, ooh, they're pretty, right? They're pretty. They're beautiful to watch. I want to talk about those surveys you guys filled out a little bit earlier. Now, how, how does this relate to teaching? Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. How does this relate to teaching? Yes, those surveys. Um, actually, you know what? Go ahead and turn to a neighbor. I know you guys have table groups, but I want you to turn to a partner. Okay? Now, some of your table groups may have an odd number, so it's okay to have a group of three. But groups of two or three. And just talk about those surveys a little bit. What did you remember from those sermons? And then maybe even share, how did you, what did you do in response to those sermons? Okay? So turn to a neighbor. Groups of two, hopefully. Maybe three. What did you come up with? What did you remember? How did you respond? I'm just going to give you another minute, not very long. Yes. Yes. 
Okay, okay. All right, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. <laughs> we'll talk about it. All right, I'm going to interrupt you guys. I'm going to interrupt you. Uh, what, th- what things did you guys talk about? What did you remember? How much did you remember? Um, mainly ones, mainly fives, mainly twos, threes, or fours. Um, what did you guys come up with? Yes. Yeah, I completely agree. Now, you're stealing my punchline. So, sh- no, but uh, yes, you got that out of the survey? Out of the survey? No, that's great. That's, we're going to talk about that a lot more. Stories. Yeah. What, what else did you guys talk about in terms of the sort surveys and how much you remembered or not? Yep. What made it memorable to me was how it applies to me in my situation. Okay, good. Yeah. How did it apply, or how does it apply? I mean, think about it as a specific sermon, or uh, it could be a Sunday school lesson, maybe. I don't know. Well, like last uh, two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Nate gave a sermon about kind of the culture that we're in. And, Good. And the fact that we're constantly running upstream against the culture. Yeah. Explained a little bit about how a lot of it is about uh, remember the Pra-, pra- Pragmatism, okay. Oh, it's good. It's good. We can kind of come as a group. We got a lot. Now, I wasn't there, but um, I guess my guess is like 70, 80, 90 percent of y'all probably were. That's good. Those, that's really good. That's good. Yeah, other just general observations about, yeah. Okay, so having a good title was helpful. That's good. Yeah. That's great. Other thoughts, general, you know, I'm again, what, what, ones, twos, threes, fours, fives. What was your. You guys have good memories. Yeah, go ahead. And which week was which week was this? Oh, this is the series. Oh, the whole series. He goes after. Okay, great. Except the encounter, encounter with Jesus. Great, great. Uh, because in my growing up, yeah. Yeah. Amen. Okay. That's good. Okay, that's good. Yeah, Matt. Yeah, okay. So I don't want to reveal how much I do or don't remember. But I grew up a pastor's kid, and my dad for a while once, as I say, he was the associate pastor. And he was, we would greet people at the door on the way out. He was asking them for a few weeks what was last week's sermon. And a lot of people couldn't remember. And then... But that's probably just a particular congregation. That was just because that's not that's not you guys, right? That's right. He shifted it the last week. He did it, and I don't know if senior pastor got wind of it at that point or not. He started asking people, "What was the sermon you just heard?" And even then, people were kind of struggling to to 
come up with. So it's kind of affirming how many people were on the internet, but I wonder, and Elizabeth and I are just probably some of us have struggled to actually get on that. Okay, maybe not, le- okay, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, right here. That's a great observation. So um, you remember it five years later. In fact, that was going to be one of my next questions in, your, in my notes. Is like, um, uh, why do we remember good teaching? Um, and if we can instantly share it and tell other people about it, I think that's going to really allow it to go deep. But my guess is, if we are honest, again, now I've asked this question, I think, two or three times already. I'm looking for some numbers and you guys have been giving me great answers. But yet, have I heard someone that have actually given me some numbers? Because that's what the survey is. Yeah. Yeah, so in the numbers on the survey, so I know who gave the, the survey, so it's already kind of boosted up to a three. Okay, yeah, I'm being a little facetious here. Yeah, you're, you're boosted up to a three. But as far as um, numbers, like percentages, what have I done a road trip trying to pick out the highest and most surprising You know, listen to that on listening. And basically it was the studies done on listening. I think it's something like the listening percentage and the listening time. And for a bad listener, about 3%. So if you have no kind of training or bad actively listening, you're still looking at about 3%. And if you're really good and you spend a lot of time and have really clicks in your head and you're doing all these things and you're kind of processing everything, then you can boost it up to 9%. So it's, I just want to say we don't. Yeah. That's amazing. You're 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 good. You're a you've got a good teacher and a really um hard working listener there. That's great. I hope you all heard that and you remember that. Um, and hopefully it's better than 9% of what he just said. But, um, yeah. yeah was, uh, I saw a hand, maybe. That's good. Something You got to do something in response. Amen. Yep. Okay. That's good. That's really good. Getting people involved. Yep. Uh, okay. A couple more, and then, then I'm actually going to move on. You guys have a lot to say, which is great, because you all are teachers. Yeah, you were asking for numbers. So the two weeks ago, I had started out like, oh, my goodness, am I a two? Well, I three, because I know it was me. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. 
That's good. Yep. That's really good. Yeah. Um, okay. This is really helpful. Now, again, are you guys average for the congregation that you all are part of? My guess is you guys might think you're average because you guys are here and you guys are teachers. You're going to be kind of on the higher end of people's receptivity to listening. So, you know, last week, I think most of you all probably can remember. It sounds like you guys are doing a pretty good job. In my experience, the vast majority of, of sermons, well, if we were to ask the question, what, how did you do, what did you do different? What kind of impact, what did you do in response to the sermon? What impact? Did, okay, did you remember it? But did you do anything? Did it have any impact at all? Because in my guess, again, I don't do a lot of preaching. I preach like, I don't know, eight to ten times a year. I think preaching is, is good. And it sounds like you guys have some, a gifted pastoral preaching team here at your church. Okay, amen. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of nets. heads nod. But I do think it's easy to overvalue preaching in the church. And the reality is most teaching in the church, the vast majority, and this is my thesis, is more like shooting stars. We see it. Ooh, it's pretty. But it has no lasting impact. And the question I want to ask you all, and again, and you guys, I I know there's a lot of wisdom and wealth of of experience in this room. But the question I think we want to be talking about as we think about teaching about teaching is, what kind of impact do you want to have? Like that meteor crater? (laughs) Or a shooting star? Ooh, that was pretty. Okay. Now, and we're going to be talking about a lot of things that we can do to have the impact go deep. And, and, but, but I just, it's kind of discouraging, I guess, on some level. Yeah. I'm going to challenge the statement that it doesn't have a lasting impact. It, it, for me, it may not have a specific lasting impact, but every time I hear a good sermon, it's like there's another brick built into my wall of faith. Amen. So yeah. I can't tell you exactly what makes that brick any different than the one that happened four years ago. But, but I grow a little bit, but I can't, I'm not, I can't tell you what happened. But you know what I'm no, I, I, I see. And again, I, I'm, I'm not trying to, again, I, I, I value teaching of all shapes and sizes. I value teaching. I value preaching. I particularly value discussion and interaction. Just the fact that you could say this. I think this, this I would say, what we're doing here is going to be generally more more impactful than sermons. Although sermons, I mean, Jesus preached too. But I think as, as we're, we're going to look at Jesus in a minute, we're going to go, okay, uh, he doesn't do as much preaching as we might think. And he certainly doesn't, well, we'll I, I don't, I don't want to kind of, we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. Was, there's another hand over here, and then I'm going to move on. Yeah. 
No, there could be a bad sermon, but if you're prepared, you, it still might speak to your heart. Or you could have a good sermon, but if, you're, if you haven't, your heart's not in a soft place, it's going to be like, well, rocky soil. Um, yeah, in fact, I would say Jesus' parable to the sower substantiates what I'm saying here. There's one good soil type. Okay, there's the path, there's the thorns, there's the rocks. And the reality, I mean, again, you've got to start with the bad news before you get to the good news, okay? you always got to start with the bad news. The reality is the atmosphere that, in the case of asteroids and meteorites, is a good thing. In, in, in our teaching, the atmosphere of our life is a bad thing. It makes it hard for our message, that seed, the word, to go in and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. It's hard. There's just a lot going on. And there, You guys, we've thrown out some ideas already. Um, actually, I want to do one other thing. Um, the, the woman in the red shared about a, a sermon five years ago that she remembered. I want you to turn to your neighbor and think about something, a, a sermon, a podcast, a Sunday school class that you heard from not in the last year or two, but in the last maybe five years ago, or at least a year old, that had a deep impact on you. Something, maybe it was at a different church, maybe it was at your church here. A sermon, a Sunday school class, some kind of teaching. Share that. And why did it go so deep? You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, turn to your neighbor, your partner, share about one time. I'm going to interrupt you in about a minute and a half. Okay, okay, um, would, would somebody be willing, maybe a couple of people be willing to share this teaching that really had a deep impact in you, on you? A couple of people be willing to share a sermon? Yeah, back in the back. Shh. Yeah. That's great. Okay, okay. So what was it about the sermon, though, the one and others? They were all the things that we need to be doing. Okay, okay, very practical things that... 
Okay. Okay, okay. That's good. Those are things that make it helpful for you. Other specific sermons that some of you guys remember that really had a deep impact. Yeah. Many years ago, maybe five, six years ago. Great. Wow. That is an important question. Wow. Okay. Any of the rest of you guys remember that one? Okay. All right. Well, it, it struck, struck you, and maybe others weren't there, but yeah. Another? And what is it that made it so memorable for you? Okay. Okay. That's good. Okay. Ah, yeah. That's good. Okay, that's good. I'm, I'm actually going to shift it a little bit, but can you think of like Sunday school classes? I'm going to shift from sermons because I think most of you guys are sharing sermons, which is great. But my guess is most of you all aren't going to be doing a lot of preaching. So Sunday school classes or, you know, small group Bible studies that were just particularly memorable for you all? Well, that's more important. Okay. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. Another Sunday school class? Yeah. We'll talk about being provocative. Yeah, because our asparagus, I think we're in the fourth year, and it's still, you know, occasionally we go just like one little, these, anyway. No, that's a great example. Okay, I'm going to shift. I'm going to shift a little bit here. So, but I hope you're constantly thinking, why do these lessons, these teachings have an impact? What is it about it that makes it memorable? And I think my guess is for most of you all, there will be some kind of something particular. Maybe it's kind of a tangible thing that people do in response to it. But um, I think without a doubt, we would probably have to say that the most impactful, influential teacher of all time is Jesus. um, Hopefully that's not controversial here. Um, 
So I'm going to do something, and you guys are going to be very involved in this. this is, we're going to look at the, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. We're going to be asking the question, um, how does Jesus teach? What I want to do, I know you guys are probably pretty familiar with it. Um, I've, it's on your paper. You've also got it in your Bibles, presumably, if those of you guys have Bibles. But it's on that handout in front of you. I've got three Bible passages. Depending on how much time we'll have, we'll, we'll probably talk at least about two of them. Um, why don't you go ahead and just read it over on your own? And there's pencils on the table. And just start making notes of how does Jesus teach? Okay, Things that you find interesting. In a minute, we will read it aloud and we will act it out. So you guys, some of you guys are going to need to get prepared to be involved. But just go ahead and read it over on your own. Oh, yeah, more handouts. Thank you for getting, passing those around. Um, read it over on your own. How does Jesus teach? And just go ahead and start writing things down on your paper. What do you notice about Jesus as a teacher here? Go ahead and turn to a neighbor and share some of your observations. What do you notice? Again, we're probably, most of us are probably pretty familiar with this story. What do you notice about Jesus as a teacher here? So just share with a partner. And I'm only going to give you a couple minutes, maybe a minute and a half.
All right, I'm going to interrupt here. Now, I'm going to need a whole lot of volunteers. So like most, like half the class is going to need to volunteer here. So um, just raise your hand. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so you will be um, the narrator. Okay, it, it, volunteering early may be um, to your benefit here. Um, other, who's the next volunteer? I'm going to do this pretty quick here. Okay, so you're going to be the lawyer. Okay, and another volunteer? Is that a hand? No? Yes, right here. Okay, and then you'll be Jesus. So there's more, though. These folks get the easy bet, okay, because they volunteered quick. Um, no, I shouldn't, I shouldn't scare you away. So what we're going to do is we're just going to read it out. Okay, now we need some more volunteers. This is going to be the fun bit. This is really the fun bit. Okay? Who wants to be the man? Come on. The man. Oh, should I just start picking people? Okay, you can be the man. All right. Um, I need three robbers. Three robbers. Okay, how about these three guys right here? Okay, three guys right there. Okay. Um, I need a priest. How about somebody over here? Yes, you're the priest. Um, how about a Levite? Okay, you're a Levite. Um, and then we need a, a Samaritan. Somebody back. Uh, okay, Samaritan. Now, does someone want to be the beast? Anybody willing to be the beast? All right, we'll go without the beast. All right. Okay, um, uh, people reading can stay where they are. Everyone else, come up here. Yes, yes. Okay, we're going to, as this is being read, these people will act. So you guys are awesome. Well done. You're going to be creative. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. Okay, now, Jerusalem is over here. Okay, who are the robbers? Okay, you guys are the robbers. So um, let's say, um, and there's the priest and the... Okay, so he was going to... Why don't you all come on over here? The robbers can kind of hang out in the middle. Um, robbers in the middle. So, um, and then watch the, the travelers could come over here too. Yep, 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 yep. So Jerusalem's over here. And Jericho's over there. Okay? So you're going that way. Okay. No, that's okay. That's okay. So... Now, these people are the ones that are doing it. And so we're not going to laugh at them. We're going to honor them and support them for being bold and brave and being willing to be volunteered, right? Okay, now the readers, and when it's the narrator, you just, and then when it's the, the, one of the speakers, you just jump right in, okay? This is a little bit tricky, but you guys will get it because you guys look, and if you make mistakes, that's okay, all right? And so as they're reading, you guys are doing it. You're just going to, there's, there's no practice here. These guys, this is just impromptu drama, right? Okay. Hit it, uh, narrator. I mean, I'm curious about this whole beast part, so if you didn't get anybody, I'll... Oh, you can be the beast, you're the beast, you're the beast. 666, right here. Okay, there we go. Good, 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 yes, thank you, thank you. Okay, here we go. Yeah, right, yep, yep, yes.
Beast, beast, the beast, the beast. Well, it's up to you. Okay, yeah, there we go. Oh, so should have had an innkeeper there. That's my bad. Well done, narrator. And then Hey, well done, everyone. Well done. Very good. That was great. Yes. All right. Fantastic. I'll take my, my stage back here. Yeah, that was um, very creative. Okay, so let's just start off in the beginning here. What do you think about this lawyer's question? We'll do a little, kind of a little bit of a Bible study here. We'll, we'll come back to the drama. We've had it. What do you think about the lawyer's question here? Yeah, so that doesn't sound good. Great. Well, other thoughts about that? Sorry, what? Yeah, that's a pretty important question. Why, why is that an important question? Why is that an important question? He wanted to inherit uh, internal life? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. So another hand over here? Yeah? Yeah, that's a, okay, yeah. Um, yes, uh, well, okay, oh, actually first and then Matt. Okay, perhaps, perhaps. Yeah, maybe, maybe. It's hard to say, but yeah, interesting. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, why is he asking this question? What's, and we, it's, we know he's putting him to the test, yes. Okay, why do you think that? Okay, okay, okay. Okay, just... Desires to, uh, he's desiring to justify himself. Yeah, that's good. That's good. 
Yeah, okay. Other thoughts here? There's, there's just, again, one of my favorite questions, it's not really a question, it's just tell me about something. Okay? Just tell me, because you, you want to get people talking. And so, yeah, go ahead. Who are you? Okay, yeah. In fact, we're going to come back to that question in the next passage, but yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Again, it's hard to say all of what's going on for his motives. And I think it's, let's just make sure when we're trying to figure out his motives that whatever we're doing is we're basing it on what is in the text. And let's just acknowledge what it's hard to say here. Um, but, you know, when he does get to the point where he's desiring to justify himself, it does seem like there may be a little bit of a thing. But, um, uh, concerned there, but it's hard to say. Okay, yeah, um, yes, and then over here, and then I have a couple of the. Co- he, he, uh, he answered one question that Jesus asked him, which was, "What is written in law?" But he didn't like answer the second. Okay. Question. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, another comment. We'll come back to that. Okay, um, not necessarily, um, but could, there, there could be overlap um, in these two different groups, but not necessarily, um, they might not be kind of the sort of synonymous Venn diagram, if you will, so there could be some overlap. But I'm, I'm going to go back to my initial question, though, because we very quickly have moved in to the whole dialogue and kind of this, I, I want to, what about his very first question? Let's focus on that. There's a couple of things that I think that are kind of significant here about his very first question. Okay, so focus on what's he going to do. What's he going to do? That's good. Yeah, we talked about inherit. Um, what's he going to do? What's the first word he says to Jesus? Is that significant? It's, it, I think it is significant, but I think it's interesting that none of you guys have talked about that yet. Uh, you know, what are we talking about this morning? Oh, yeah, okay, teaching. I mean, it, it is interesting. And it's okay. And again, I'm, I'm, you know, he calls him teacher. What's the significance of calling him teacher? Yeah. yeah you, we, would, we would hope that would be the case. We would assume that would be the case. Um, um, but then a couple of folks have said, well, maybe not. But let, let, let's, you know. Let's try to give him the benefit. He does call him teacher, rabbi. Uh, yeah, in Aramaic. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, the Sadducees were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in an afterlife. But um, my dad told me that one. That's, yeah, some of you guys. Okay. Yeah, not all of them believe that. So, you know, you're, you're trying to kind of figure this out. Um, he calls Jesus teacher, but there's an irony here. What's the irony? He calls him teacher, but there's an irony. You, you have disciples, you're following you, yeah. What is he doing? 
He's testing the teacher. Okay? Which, I mean, guys have already talked about the testing thing, but there is a little bit of an irony there, right? He's testing the teacher. Um, yeah, okay. No. And, and, and you know, but I'm, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that there's a little bit, it's a little ironic that he approaches the teacher and he puts him to the test. It might, yeah. Yes, what's going on for him on a deeper level? Yeah, yeah. And again, it, and that, that it's hard to figure out all of what's going on for this guy. I think, what good things can we say about this guy? What good things can we say about this guy? He knows the law. What else? He's, who said that? He comes to Jesus. Okay? That's, now again, there are sometimes, some of those religious leaders, they're coming to Jesus with hard hearts. But the fact that he's approaching Jesus, that seems to be a, generally a good thing. Okay? He does listen and interact. Yeah. He's asking a really important question. Now, if someone... Yeah, go ahead. Let's wait on that. Let's wait on that. We'll get, we're, we're right, right about there, Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 The Mosaic Law. Yeah. Yeah, and he's and he, and he, and he shows that he reveals that here. Um, yeah. Now, if someone were to ask you this when you were teaching, how do we? Well, uh, uh, you're teaching a class right now on on heaven, right? <laughs> you know, you know that's like that's kind of related. That's an important topic. Um, if someone were to ask you this in your Sunday school class. Would you respond like Jesus did? How does Jesus respond? With another question. Why doesn't Jesus just give him the answer? Give him the answer, Jesus. Come on. What up? Jesus is just a, he's a lousy Sunday school teacher. Right? Oh, he's not as good as we are. Because if someone asks you this in your Sunday school class, we give them the answer. Jesus, come on. He asks them a question. That's confusing. Why would he do that? Because the process maybe is more important than just the answer. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Things we identify with ourselves, yeah? Yeah. But what's the danger with asking a question? There's a danger of asking a question. Now, that probably doesn't happen in this church ever. Because 
Everyone is just so bright and so heterodox that people always give you good, solid, biblically grounded answers. But you can imagine maybe there's a church down the street, the Presbyterians or the Methodists or something. I mean, come on, where that might happen, right? Yeah, it, what's, the, what's the risk with questions? Well, and I, as a speaker who asks a lot of questions, that's often the case. <laughs> um, so you might not know the answer. But as a, when you're teaching and you're asking a question, what's, there's, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it might, it might, in some cases, it might shut people down because they don't want to be kind of put on the spot. Yeah, Matt. Yeah, that's hard. We're going to come back to that. Because that, that's something that most of us have probably experienced. Yes. Yes, a question. Um, I may I may respond with a question, but go ahead. Yes. <laughs> what do you all think? What do you all think? <laughs> it's a great question. Yes, right here. Sure. Yeah. That's good. So try to give people the benefit of the doubt, but also, you know, when Jesus was grieved at the the religious leaders for their hardness of heart, well, at that point in time, we don't need to give them the benefit of the doubt anymore because the text has really clearly said their hearts are hard. Now, we still maybe could try to give them some, try to view them graciously, but I think that's that's a good word. Yeah, right here. And this is one of the things I like to make. The things that the text thinks are important will be clear. So if you are spending a lot of time discussing something that the text isn't clear about, you should move, you should shift the subject back to something that the text is more clear. I mean, again, I'm a Bible scholar. We love the murky realms. You know, the Nephilim in Genesis 6. Whoa, we could talk about that all day long. What's going on there? You know, the, the bridegroom of blood incident in Exodus 4. Who was, it? was just going through Exodus? You know, that has just some, there's some crazy stuff in the Bible and biblical scholars. We just love to talk about it because it's just so much. But if, you, if the text is not clear, um, don't make, I tell my students all the time, don't make things up. 
And don't repeat things other people have made up. Yeah. 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 Yeah, at least on some level. I think that's a great point. Again, we're taking the text seriously. And I, I realize that I'm trying to do maybe a, a, a few too many things here because I'm trying to look at this passage. We're also trying to answer the question of how does Jesus teach? But... Um, I think the, the clearest thing I hope that you're getting here is that even to a really, really important question, Jesus doesn't do the kind of the download dump and talk at them. He often responds to a question with a question. And if you, as teachers, we'll just put it this way, respond to questions with questions. Maybe not in every situation, but, and sometimes your, your people in your classes are going to get frustrated at you. Go ahead. How? Yeah, he does. He does. Uh, what do you think about this answer? What, what is he? What is he quoting here? Where? Deuteronomy. Where? I'm, I'm gonna. Some of you guys know it. Some of you don't, and that's okay. But where? Yeah, yeah. It's the. What do they call this? The Shema, here. Shema is literally here. Here, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Your, well, it's a slightly, you know, there's four things here, three things there. A little bit of a paraphrase, but still pretty good. Um, heart, um, strength, mind. Oh, where's this from? Leviticus where? Uh, yeah, uh, um, 1918, I think. 19, yeah. Okay, we got, you get credit for Leviticus. Well done. Um, so he is bringing together Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19 and putting them together. That's a pretty good answer. You've, how does Jesus evaluate? What role does Jesus move himself into at the end of this first dialogue? Yeah. You have an, what type of person says you have answered correctly? My teacher. And there, there is a time and a place to say, that's a great answer. So as you're teaching, it's fine to say, that's a great comment. You have, you may, I, yeah, you have answered correctly. Oh, but then what is it? Yeah, go ahead. Well, Jesus probably, I mean... Jesus hasn't had a chance to read Paul, and so he's probably not. Um, if, if, if Jesus only had read Paul, he probably could have given a better answer. Right? Yeah. Now, again, whoa, well, the hands went up fast and fierce there. Be provocative. Okay? And I love to be provocative. But uh, your, your question kind of set me up for that. Um, here and then there. Yeah. Okay. He is.
Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like you said, there's the machine learning model. Okay. There's two types of, in the terms of speaking, there's two kinds of speaking. Okay, that's good. Sure. It's a lot of teachers in this room. It's great. Yes. Okay. That's different than, let's just say, like, you know, just saying, you know, what, what is said in uh, Right. There's a big difference between what is said in he, he is He's forcing him to think and to use his prior knowledge. And then there's some, there's some synthesis here because he puts together both Deuteronomy and, and Leviticus. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a lot there. That's great. And then Matthew... Yes. And and this guy isn't all the way there, and yet he he hasn't Neither of them have read Paul, and I'm, I, I would think, I, mean, I was being a little facetious in response to your question, but I do think this should be part of our response to this question. And if, if we think, well, gosh, I wouldn't give this answer, um, then I would say, well, what does it mean to be followers of Jesus if we don't give the answers that Jesus gives? Now, we need to be, we need to, Take all we're saying in light of Paul, um, but I think I think Paul based a lot of what he was saying, hopefully, on Jesus and Jesus's teaching as well. And so I think that there is something about well, and, and this idea of loving God with your whole, whole heart, mind, strength. Uh oh, um, that shows up elsewhere, right? This is not the only place in the Gospels where this idea shows up. So these are important things. Um, Wow, you guys, this is great. It's, I love t- talking to teachers because you guys, you guys have a lot to say. It's like we certainly don't have the problem of people being quiet. Yes, here and then here. Okay, yeah. Yeah, very quickly. Yeah, from head to do this. Yes. Okay. Uh, the question was what shall I do to Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why doesn't he Jesus? Jesus. Yeah. Okay. So what is what do we learn about how Jesus teaches? How Jesus teaches from the fact that he doesn't give the answer that is like part of the four spiritual laws. What do we learn about Jesus's teaching here? I think that's huge. So contextualization would be how you might talk about it. You've got to understand your context. Yeah. We don't. Yeah. Yeah. And so let's actually, let's talk about this story a little bit here. Um, uh, so 
I mean, again, it's a pretty familiar, uh-oh, I lost something here. Uh, there we go. Um, let's talk about the story a little bit here. What do you think about this story? And again, it's a familiar story. I don't want to spend a lot of time, but what do we learn about Jesus' teaching in this story? Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like a joke. Yeah, well, there was a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. They went into a bar. You know, and you kind of, it's, it, it, it's, I mean, I love that phrase, stock characters. They're kind of, these are people that you kind of know. Yeah, okay. Sorry, did I cut you off? Okay. Yeah. There's drama, there's action. Now, why did I do a drama with y'all? Why did I do that? It's what? Visual. It's visual. Yeah. Sorry, back in the back. Memorable. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you think those people, who will remember it better? The actors are going to remember it better. I think, it, again, now some of you guys have great minds and you're, you know, you're still relatively young and your, your brains, those synapses are still relatively limber. But those of us who are getting a little bit older, maybe not so much. But, you know, let's assume all of you have, in general, the folks that were in the chairs may remember it better than a lot of things because you got to see something. The folks that were reading it, the narrators and the, the, the speakers, a little bit more. But these folks that are up here are going to probably remember it the best because they were involved in it. Now, that's, again, we have done this. My wife does this sort of thing in our Sunday school class. Um, we teach a lot of people, my wife and I, we're in our mid-50s. We teach a lot of people older than us. And so a lot of people in their 60s, maybe in the 70s, a lot of potential grandparents. It's a little bit hard to get these people out of their chairs on a Sunday morning. So you guys know what I'm talking about. But we still do it. <laughs> and it's kind of painful sometimes. But it, it's memorable. It's visual. Other comments about doing little dramas and that kind of stuff? I don't do enough dramas when I teach at, at my seminary. And I, I, kind of been, I kind of regret not doing that enough. But other thoughts about actually getting people out of their chairs and to... That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So everybody learns differently. Yes, I think that's a great word. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And again, God involves us. And I think the, the thing about, we're going to talk more about questions. God is always involving his audience. I love to read the word of God. And I think God gave me a loud voice. I've done, I've been, I don't do a lot of this, but I've done it a couple of times. I've done open air preaching on college campuses um, at UC Berkeley and at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, God gave me a loud voice. I love to read the Bible. And I think I, 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 think I, I do it dramatically. I think I do a pretty good job. I 
think it's more important, though, when I teach to get my class to read. Why do I do that? Why do I get people in my class reading the word out, out loud? It involves them in the process. Why else? This is great. Keep going. The Word of God is powerful. It belongs to everyone. Yeah, that's kind of the whole sort of the point of the Reformation. You know, put it in the, the, the you know, my son likes to say, utilize the vernacular, which is kind of ironic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but utilize the, wait a minute. Speak the language of the people. It, it belongs to everybody. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You gonna say something, Matt? Nope. Yep. 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 Totally. Yep. Yep. You, you, it does. It does kind of keep them engaged. Just just having that person next to them, uh, yeah. One of the things to be thinking about again, you don't want to make people paranoid. Um, sometimes when I teach, um, and I'll, I'll say we're going to read it all out loud. We're going to, and what I do is I have people go around. I have people read a couple verses, a couple verses when we read scripture out loud, and I say. How many of you guys have ever heard somebody read the Bible from up front in a boring way? And like every hand goes up. That's not going to be you guys. That's not going to be you guys. You're going to read with power and authority and drama and pathos. You're going to get loud. You're going to get soft. Some of you guys who have had dramatic training are really going to be at an advantage here. But when you read the Word of God, there's drama there. Okay? And so just encourage your folks, whether it's first and second graders. Now, again, reading, reading you know, they're still kind of coming along with that. But certainly by third and fourth graders or uh, high, uh, junior high and high schoolers or the, the, any of the other, other folks, get them involved. Get everyone involved with the reading. Read. Scripture is meant to be read publicly. Okay, so... What do we learn about Jesus' teaching here from this story? What do we learn about Jesus' teaching from the story? Again, there's going to be a little bit of review here. Um, What do we learn about Jesus' teaching? And one of the things I like to tell my students is don't be afraid to state the obvious. People love to state the thing that no one has ever thought since the beginning of time. They want to come up with something that's so new and so brilliant and so insightful that, wow. And and they, they want to say that point and have everybody clap because it's so insightful. You know what? If it's that creative, it's probably heresy. Okay? I'm serious. Don't be afraid to state the obvious. Okay? Um, and you don't need to be the brilliant person. Just what do we learn about Jesus' teaching from the parable of the Good Samaritan? Teaching about teaching. Go. Okay. Um, he asks questions. 
Now, let's comment. There's a couple of, um, I, I want to stay on the question thing a little bit. Let's, there's a couple of different ways we can kind of go with that. About questions. Let's talk about questions a little bit more. Just questions. Just questions. Uh, he, Jesus asked questions, but there's more that can be said. Okay, so sometimes um, ask questions even if, you know, maybe, it may be obvious, particularly to his audience, okay? Okay, he answers questions with questions. Again, do you ask, do you answer questions with questions? And then you say, then you say, why do you ask me that, Dave? And then I say, why do you ask me that? <laughs> and we just have this... Answer questions with questions when you teach. I hope you do that. Yeah, basic questions, even really crucial, important questions, he doesn't give an answer, a straight answer. Whoa, 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 we, we got to be clear on this. There's no room for ambiguity here. I don't want to rely on you... When you ask a question when you're teaching, you are trusting your audience. And it's hard, particularly when they're not as clever as you are, right? Which is most of the time, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. He does, and, and the questions do shape and lead. And I would say, even though Jesus is asking questions, he's still teaching here. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so in, in these answers, Jesus, I mean, Jesus does say, yeah, you've answered correctly. Yeah, Matt. That's a great point. He ends with a question. Which of these men? He lets the guy figure it out for himself. And then, let's go up to the top here. Um, you guys might notice, I highlight. Um, some, the, the, I, I teach my Sunday school class to highlight their Bible. And there are always um, people in my class that, I, and we bring markers, um, colored pencils. And there are always, there's usually a few guys that are like, really? This feels like, this feels like Sunday school. This feels like kindergarten or something. And I'm saying, yeah, you know, yeah, you probably like to watch um, football black and white, right? <laughs> you know, they've got these new televisions, though. They're in color. In fact, they've got some, you might not have heard about it. They've got this new type of television called HD. Whoa. But if you like to work in black and white, I get that. But the world is in color. And I study the Bible in color. Okay. That's something um, you guys can experiment with. Some, you got, how many of you guys highlight scripture? Yeah, it's a hard, it goes, it goes right through. That's why I printed out, and again, we, we can talk more about this, but that guy, how does the guy come to him? How does that lawyer come to him? With a, say it again? With a question. Be the sort of person, the sort of teacher that welcomes questions. Okay? I hope in your class 
I hope questions are welcomed. It's been great to see as many of you guys asking questions. Okay? It's easy. It's frustrating for me sometimes when I've got a time pressure. Now, the wonderful thing about this is Matt gave me two hours. Wow, that's nice. And I'm, I'm going to run out of time as it is. But it's easy to think, oh, I've got this information that I want to convey to you because you're going to open up your brains and I'm going to fill it with all my wisdom. I've just got all this wealth of information. I'm going to, it's just going to go straight into your brain. Yeah, that's not really how teaching happens. As, uh, what, tell me your name again. Creighton. Creighton was reminding us about how much people remember. We don't, we, the brain dump just doesn't, that's a fairy tale. That, and, and we're shocked that people don't remember. Even the sermon that week. Okay, so Jesus asks questions. What else do we learn about Jesus in terms of his, as a teacher from this story? Well, we talked a lot about questions. Yeah. You mean with the, the parable? Yeah. What? So he's, he tells this parable. I mean, yeah. More generally, when we're talking about a parable, what, what, give me the bigger category that we're talking here. A story. A story. Why are stories more memorable? Yeah, evoke feelings. Yeah, they can often be connected to our emotions in a way that um, kind of a three-point outline might not, even though the three-point outline is, we might think is more accurate. Yeah. Okay. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Okay, so it's, it's kind of multifaceted in terms of how you could connect. Um, um, we, our, our, someone's already said you, it can connect to your emotions. Other things about stories? You can see it. Now, we had a drama, so we got to see it. But even without, if when it didn't do the drama, you can kind of picture this happening. Yeah. 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 So there's there's a story behind the story. In fact, the thing I would argue is the gospel of Luke is a narrative. And within the narrative of the gospel of Luke, there are a lot of stories. How many parables does Jesus tell? Actually, I don't. I mean, and again, it's it's hard to tell because sometimes he's got, but dozens, scores. He's always telling parables. And I like what you said a minute ago. It's not a linear 
it's not an outline point. It's, you know, it's not, maybe not as efficient. But you know what I would say? It is more, more efficient. Why is it more efficient? That's what I was going to say verbatim. It's more efficient because it's more effective. Because, I mean, how many of you guys like to watch movies? How many of you guys like to read novels? Yeah, okay, you guys are just, no one's raising your hand. Okay, so there are three people in this room that like to watch movies and two people that like to read novels. Okay, wow, you guys are just, what do you do all day? Oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yes. Yep. But then those who have a, have a different background right. can appreciate even more. And then those who have really dive into whatever happens right. in that episode right. really get more. Now, not all writers do it. Some writers do It's flat. Flat. They put their resources kind of together. There's not that depth, right? So right. When, when I look at this, I go, oh, my goodness. Because what he's done, the actor can't take on a story just to tell a story. So he's... Because he's a lawyer. Yep. Right? So he's accomplishing so many things with this. Yeah. What I'm going to do is I'm going to have a story that matches what the lawyer has done. So right. The lawyer, and Jesus is also realizing that this lawyer who's coming to talk to him as his son is really saying, what type of person is this? What type yeah, of yeah, yeah. Right. 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 No. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I think. Yeah. We can enjoy this and not really, you know, right. Yeah. That's great. A kind of final thing we note here is, so Jesus starts, he responds to a question with a question. He tells a story in response to another question. Um, uh, Who is my neighbor? Well, let me tell you a story now. So he tells, he answers us one question with a question. He answers another question with a story. How does Jesus end? I mean, and he ends with a question. Well, he ends the story with a question. But how does he end finally? What, what lesson do we learn from that? Do. I don't know. Challenge. Do you, do you give commands? Okay. Do. Do, yeah. But do you ever do you ever give commands when you teach? Why? Why with your children, but maybe not with a Sunday school class? 
That's an interesting. Okay. 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 Yeah. I mean, I think part of it with as a parent, there's a, there's an authority issue. Um, I mean, this guy did ask, "What do I need to do?" And so it does make sense to kind of say, "Do." Um, and I think I think I think invitations are beautiful. I love giving people an invitation. How cool would it be if Christians were known like this good, like, I don't actually like the term the good Samaritan. What's the problem with calling him the good Samaritan? It's exactly the the connotation. It's almost, it's, it's ironically, he is the only, it's like, how would you like if someone told the story of the good American? Or the good, what is someone from Delaware called? Delaware. Delawarean. The, the good. You are the, the good Delawarean. The good person from, the one good person from Wilmington. Ah, uh, I don't feel, okay. So there's a little bit of irony there. I don't actually like calling it the good Samaritan, but that's what everybody calls it. Um, I would say the, the, the Samaritan that showed compassion. How cool would it be if this is what characterized Christians? That we just showed compassion upon people that were different from us, who were needy, maybe even people of different ethnicities from us. Okay? That's, that's the image. Go and do. Um, but I think we need to be asking questions. We need to be telling stories. And there's times to give challenges. Now, you, you, if you do the same challenge every week, that, that, but I, I love giving invitations. That's good. But there's going to be a time, and again, we're not Jesus, but we're still called to be followers of Jesus, where we just need to say, you need to do this. We, I need to do this. Come do this with me. That's more of an invitation, perhaps. But So this kind of... Um, one of my favorite quotes, and I didn't give this quote at the very beginning. Have you guys heard of Becky Pippert? She wrote this book, Out of the Salt Shaker and Into the World. Classic book on evangelism. She is also an InterVarsity person. Uh, I was on InterVarsity staff for a while. My wife still is on uh, InterVarsity staff. So um, Becky Pippert, um, and th- this is one of my favorite quotes about teaching. When she's, what she says is, when I look at the church, I see people giving answers and preaching sermons. When I look at Jesus, I see a man asking questions and telling stories. Wow. People giving... Now again, don't don't get me wrong. There are times that we do need to give answers, and we certainly need to preach sermons. But what is it that characterizes us? Is it we're always giving answers, always kind of preaching at people? Or are we asking questions and telling stories? Jesus, in just... Okay, well, let's look at it again here. Oh, this is, I've got an image here. This is non sequitur. Can you guys read non sequitur? Um, let's see. Can, can you guys read that? Okay, the invention of religion. Okay, this guy, he, he's, he's in charge. Okay. okay, here's how it works. First, you never question anything I tell you. Now, obviously, that's really silly. But it is kind of scary that that's the perception of organized religion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't question me. 
All right, let's see. Um, I need three volunteers. Maybe three. All you're going to do is read this time. We're not going to do a drama here. Three volunteers. Come on. All right. Uh, uh, here, here. Okay, so let's say narrator, Jesus, and who's another hand over here? And Peter. Okay. And we're going to read Mark eight twenty-seven to 30. And you guys are, you guys, you guys are going to figure it out. So narrator, Jesus, Peter, and... Oh, uh, I need one more person um, to be the people, the disciples. Yeah, right here. John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. Okay, now what I want you to do is I want you to think, read, we've read it out. Think about a question that you would ask if you were leading a discussion of this passage and write that down on your piece of paper. Okay? Think of a question you would ask if you were leading a discussion on this passage and write that down on your paper. I'm only going to give you about a minute. You guys have questions? You have a question? All right, let's share some of our questions. We may not get to, I'd like to hear like five or six questions. Someone who's willing to just share their question. Yep. Great. Why not tell anyone? Another question. Uh, right here. What's that? Ah, was Peter... Right. Okay. Uh, right here. Actually, uh, I, I feel like I'm not calling from people in the back. Well, go ahead. Yeah. So when he says you are the Christ, what does that mean? The okay. Uh, I'm just going to write Christ. What does that mean? Question mark. Uh, yeah. Okay. Why ask this question? Uh, any, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, why Caesarea Philippi? Why, the location. What, what is significant about Caesarea Philippi? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, who do people say Jesus is today? Now, let's, let's, let's take a step back and just kind of analyze these questions just a little bit. I hope when you teach... You are teaching the people in your classes 
to come up with questions. Okay? Because if you've got a group that is asking questions, your job just got a lot easier. (laughs) Okay? They're doing your job for you. But teach people to ask questions. So it's a little, a little bit of my paraphrase to, um, of uh, 2 Timothy 2.2, what you've heard in the presence of many people and pass on to other people as well. That's my loose paraphrase. Four generations there in 2 Timothy 2.2. Teach people who are in your classes to be teachers. Raise up new generations. And one of the first things that we do is we get them to ask questions. And as we get... The, the students in our classes to ask questions. Okay, so let's talk about these questions a little bit. Um, uh, and again, uh, what do you... Th- uh, just observations about these questions. There's, there's different kinds of questions, aren't they? Okay, so, so sometimes you, you may be, um, again, one of the things when I don't have the, I don't know a good, I don't really feel like I've got a good answer for the question when someone asks the question, but when I say, well, what do you think, then I get a little bit more time to think about it. <laughs> and uh, seriously, now, again, but I so value hearing from other people, I, I, I want to do that anyway, but um, these are, they're hard, and sometimes we don't always have good answers, and that's Okay. And if, and if you don't, it's fine just to say that. Yeah. Some of these questions are really just about the scripture and what's written, but some of the questions are kind of like, so what? Why does it matter? Yeah. Which one is a little bit more kind of so whaty or why does it matter? A little more application-y. Yeah. So this is this is a, a very different kind of question, and we got to be asking both um, text-focused questions. And more kind of application questions. Now, normally, early on in a study, I'm going to try to encourage people to ask what type of questions? I want, I want to focus on the, the text. Okay, Maybe the context, but the, the text of Scripture. And, then, and this is the thing about teachers. You're always thinking about like your time. Okay? Um, I've got, I got, I got two hours. Of course, it's almost gone, right? Um, but you want to, you want to be holding off on these towards the end. Um, but you, you also don't want to, you don't want to not get to that because that's really important. So what? I mean, really. If, if you lead Bible studies, you could probably get by with every single Bible study asking three or four questions. What does the text say? What do we learn about God? So what? That's your Bible study. That's your outline. Every single time. What does the text say about whatever? What do we learn about God? How, how does this affect my life? Well, that's three great questions. You know? That's, that's, your, that's your outline every single time on some level. Now you can expand it and you can tailor it. But um, This is a hard one. Why not tell anybody? Again, it's, it's at the end. Um, was Peter right? Now, again, you got to be careful with, that's a yes-no question. Yeah, yes-no questions can be really helpful. When are, when are yes-no questions, 
When are yes, no questions helpful and when are they not helpful? You're, they're clear. Yeah, and it's, there's kind of a right or, right or wrong. What, what is it that, what's the potential problem with yes, no questions? They can shut down conversations. One of the things, again, I have my students do, um, they have to come up with like a, t- a teaching curriculum that they're going to, that's kind of the, the final application in my classes. And they, students, young teachers often ask yes, no questions. Yeah. It becomes, it's better. It is better. But it's it still, the, the, the thing about the yes, no, again, there's a time and a place for it. You've got to be careful with them. Um, and in general, if you want to have a, 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 a broad discussion, it's better to take that question. Like, even just, what do you think about Jesus's, about Peter's answer? Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that's good. That's good. There, again, there's a time and a place for it. But again... We want to be encouraging dialogue and interaction, and, and they, can, they can, can, can get in the way of that. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, and, and it is interesting. <laughs> well, there's so much here. Yeah. How significant is this question that Jesus poses? I mean, I, you know, scale of one to ten, where would you put this one? Like a six, a three? Yeah, yeah. Quote, spinal tap, this one goes to eleven, right? Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. This, it's, this is huge. What, what, what is this question about? What are we talking about? Are yeah, who are who's Jesus? Really, who's Jesus? You know, whether we're talking about what do people today say about Jesus? What did people say back then? Um, and again, he's got two different questions. This is really important. So, when a when a, when a, when a, the topic is really important, you should just tell people, right? Just tell them, right? What do you think? Give people the answer, right? That's that's what I would do. That's a right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to throw that out to y'all. <laughs> Why do y'all think? I agree what, with you, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, good, good, good. Why do y'all think it's it? We have to be careful about that. Yeah. Okay, okay. So there's, there's a way that there needs to be some ownership there for that tailored to that person. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that people are more bought in when they come up with. Well, okay. It's going back to what you're saying about listening. When they figure it out for themselves, they're, they're more what? Engaged, invested. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they have to think about it, and can, can they can they give good evidence for um, you know he could f- easily follow that up and say why 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 do you think that 
Yeah. My sons love to say to me, like, we're in a situation, I'll be asking them questions, and they'll just go, Dad, just give me the fish. Give me the fish. Don't teach me how. Just, I want to fish now. You know, like, no, no, let's, let's talk about, let's, let's engage. <laughs> give me the fish. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, and again, we're all, we're all learning. You get, this room is full of teachers. Centuries, literally, centuries of experience in this room. We've got a lot to learn from each other. Yeah. I think you're raising a really important part of our lifetime, which relates to the next generation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's going to be different, different parenting styles for all of us. But yeah, no, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just in case you hadn't figured it out, that's me. Yeah, Messiah. Yeah, yeah, sure. That little chip, yeah, right in there. Yep. Again, this is so important. It was so important that Jesus was not willing to just tell them straight. It was so important. He wanted them to figure it out for themselves. And he doesn't start, the, 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 the Mark's gospel doesn't start with this. This is literally, the, Mark's got 16 chapters. This is literally the halfway point. Jesus' identity is huge. He's doing all these things. But he's just asking questions all the time. And he wants them to figure it out for themselves because he wants them to own it. Yeah. It's a great point, and it's weird that he does that. It's like, why does Jesus so straightforward with this Samaritan, I call her the polygamist at the well because she had five husbands. I talk about her in Prostitutes and Polygamists. It's a great, that's a great point. There is a time and a place, and it is, someone was talking about this earlier, context matters. So we need to have a lot of tools in our teaching arsenal. I do think, though, in general, most of us want 
as teachers, we kind of feel like we need to give people the answer. But I think really we want, we want to be getting people to be thinking and to fi- be figuring it out for themselves. We want to be asking them the questions. And, and it's okay if it's a process. The other thing I love about questions, questions are inherently relational. Whereas teaching, kind of monological teaching is unidirectional. Whereas discussion and interaction is bidirectional. It's relational. Okay, I'm, I'm kind of watching the clock here. And there's a couple of things I want to just say. Oi, 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 oi. Um, why does Jesus tell him not to tell anybody about him? Sorry? It wasn't time. Okay, I think that's part of it. I think there's more to it than that. I think that is part of it. Okay. Doesn't. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. There's. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah. Here and then there. I think that's a lot of it. That that. And he wanted other people to be figuring it out for himself. Now, again, he had crowd control problems. I think part of it is the timing as well. Um, yeah? I just want to say, Lord, yeah, earlier Mark talks about how you got this little child. Oh, no. Yeah, crowd. Yeah. It does. So th- there's a lot that goes on there. But I do think, at least based on what we see just here, you could make an argument that, this is, Jesus wants people to figure it out for themselves. And he wants, and that happens often for people with questions. Um, the, the other story I was going to look at was the, the, the scribes and the priests come up and ask Jesus, by what authority are you doing these things? And how does Jesus respond? He responds to the question with another question. Ah, uh, I'll ask you a question. And then they say, was the baptism of John for me or for somebody else? Ah, uh, well, if we say this, he's going to say this. We say, ah, uh, we don't know. Now, Jesus says, answer me. And they don't. And then he says, well, I'm not going to tell you author- by which authority. It's about his authority. That's really crucial. And then he says, let me tell you a story. A question and a story. Okay. Um. I said half an hour for questions. I mean, we've been at, uh, do anybody have a kind of a question you have? Because I, I know Matt needs five minutes for um, uh, some announcements about um, other stuff. But maybe we have time for one, maybe two questions that you have about teaching. I, I've got questions about, like, what do you guys do? What, notice I don't use PowerPoints. Actually, I use PowerPoints, but I, I didn't today. I could talk about that later, but I don't want to talk about that now. Um, what do you do when people that, that do, what, with people that don't shut up? Or what do you do when you, you hear a wrong answer? Or what do you do when people are, not qu- are all quiet? These are all great questions that we could talk about, but this gentleman has a question. Yeah. Um, how do you um, generate questions from the students? Because Throw that out. How do you guys elicit questions from the people in your classes? There's quick ideas. Every question is a safe question. I would say, what's your answer? Okay, so we affirm questions. That's a great question. Um, and even sometimes the questions are not as great, um, but you're still going to affirm it, and you're going to say, this is, there's a safe place. I think that's really good. What else? How? Sometimes, sometimes you just got to let it breathe. So I, I ask questions, and nobody's answering. 
Don't be afraid of silence. And that's a hard thing, particularly for new teachers, because you're like, yeah. Yeah, so make sure, your, make sure your questions are appropriate for your audience. I think that's really good. Give people time for silence. Affirm questions. Communicate that it's a safe place. Um, and sometimes I'll just say, I give people an assignment. Write down a question and share it. And so you're, you're just like, I'm expecting you to ask questions. And then you had another follow-up or... And that's hard. I think sometimes I intentionally am just, I try to just be wildly provocative. Jesus was a very provocative teacher. He said a lot of shocking things. And we've got to be careful. We don't, we don't want to be heretical. But, um, you know, like even a little I did with, you know, with Paul. You know, well, you know, Jesus hadn't had the privilege to teach Paul. And so, you know, if he'd read Paul, then he would have given it. You know, I was intentionally being a little bit provocative there. Feel free to provoke and often, when you provoke, you're going to get questions. Not always. And again, I think folks that are teaching like junior high and high schoolers, that's a tough crowd. Um, that's a tough crowd. Now, if, if you're comfortable and they're comfortable with each other, then they, they can go for it. But that can be a hard time. Whereas, you know, you guys are incredible. I mean, you, I, we, ran out, we ran out of time just because you guys feel very free to talk and interact and ask questions. So I've appreciated that. But... I need to give Matt five minutes, so, um, and I, I, I don't have five minutes. I have three minutes, but, um, yeah. But thank you. Thank it's good. You. I, I'll be over here if you have more questions. <laughs>